Welcome to the Paycom Podcast. We are medical management radio for the solo provider and small group physician practice. Paycom is where medicine meets entrepreneurship. Now, here's your host, Carter Lumen. Hello and welcome to Medical Management Radio and I'm your host, Carter Lumen. Paycom is the Professional Association of Healthcare Office Management. Today we're going to talk about thriving in chaos in the medical management field and our guest is Helena Farabella. Helena has been a Paycom member and a certified medical manager since 1997. Welcome, Helena. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your your Paycom journey so far? Hi, and thank you for inviting me. So my journey has been having been introduced and being supported early on by my employer and also being encouraged to take my CMM test. At the time, our associate hospital director, rather, was a CMM as well. And so I joined, I want to say in March, and in May, I sat for the exam. I actually took a train to Buffalo, New York to take the exam. They didn't have um, electronic test taking then, and it was a very serious situation. And I took it, and it was, again, not when things were automated and you had to wait weeks to get the big envelope in the mail. So it was super exciting, and it, again, was a very serious endeavor, recall, being really daunted going into the room, but happy that, you know, after all, I had passed. My association also included being on different committees uh, nationally, as well as locally. Locally, I have been president a couple of times for the Montgomery Bucks chapter, which is no longer in existence. Chapters moved, people moved, and now the Delco chapter is the uh, prevailing chapter as well as the High Valley in our area. I've also have been an area rep over the years to help people that needed to get with Paycom to introduce them and to help them get signed up. I've also mentored six manager friends, colleagues with another member, Catherine Eiler, and we did probably throughout a whole summer, we did meetings on a Saturday to get everybody prepared for the CMN. And Catherine and I were actually sitting for the HIT CMPP. And at the last moment, we realized that we hadn't studied. So we worked on that. I have also been a speaker facilitator at the PACOM national conferences when those were still in place. And I also had the pleasure to serve on the national advisory board for six years three years on the board and three years as the NAB chairperson. My involvement. I gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about leadership. You know, obviously people in uh, independent practices, employees in an independent practice and in uh, small group practices are going to look for either the office manager or the practice manager, whatever your title might be, for leadership. So what tips can you provide kind of in in that particular silo? If you're formally named a leader, I would recommend be the leader that people feel that can be approached. Can you be the manager, the supervisor, the medical assistant supervisor, however you're known within your own group, are you approachable? Do you give out answers? Do you welcome ideas? Do you 
partner and mentor your coworkers. If you're that person, you want to lead by example. You don't want to be sitting in a locked room, a closed door, so that people feel uninvited, afraid, and unengaged. You know, maybe you don't care, they won't care. And then conversely, you also have your unofficial leaders within the office or what, whichever group you may work. And you have to champion that as well. If the coworkers are seeing somebody who is not an official role as somebody to whom they can confide and go to for information, then it should be a teamwork effort and serious partnership on all levels. And during that, how do you ultimately support your practitioner as well as, as the staff, right? Because a lot of the times we, we all know the, the power behind the throne, right? So do you have some advice for our, our listeners out there on supporting your medical staff and the practice owner in particular? Sure, I do. So I want to say that I have the benefit of being employed by a hospital. And I've been at my practice for almost 36 and a half years. I'm not that old, but I've been here for forever. And we do go to work every day as hospital employees. Initially, we were not for the first 10 years of my employment. So as a hospital employee, we have the benefits of different things that they put into place. One of the things is we're part of the CPC plus model, and that is the Medicare CMS model of practice transformation. And what it has taught us is how to behave as a team. And that means helping each other and lifting each other up during the day, making sure that each of us has the tools to get the job done. That means meetings uh, for care team also can be described as a case management team. Anybody on the team can be involved in that. And they're held weekly and you're sort of held to, not sort of, you're held to having those meetings and everybody is expected to bring things to the table. What patients have you identified who could be at risk? Who has been discharged from the hospital that needs to be discussed? How can we better handle population management? It can be an RN, it can be a social worker, it can be a pharmacist, a medical assistant, a receptionist who may see faces coming in and out of the building that perhaps the providers don't. We do visit planning, pre-visit planning the day before. So anything that may be outstanding, care gap closures, anything like that, the provider is sort of set up in the medical record the day before. By doing all these things, including medicine reconciliation and getting your provider prepared for the visit, the provider can work on the visit and not going through the motions with all this superfluous stuff that could be handled in advance because you have a limited amount of time face-to-face with that patient. And um, this certainly segues easily into a pandemic response versus face-to-face all the time. So I would be happy to answer any questions about that. So, Helena, right now, obviously, we have the COVID crisis going on. But obviously, you know, that's not a singular type event. There could be regional crises, like I live on the Gulf Coast of Florida, a hurricane could create the same kind of, of temporary confusion and chaos that the COVID crisis is creating nationally. Or maybe there's a big earthquake, got, you know, God forbid, out west. What do you recommend as far as backup plans and contingencies and resources on file 
to prepare in advance as much as possible for catastrophic situations? Great question. So again, you're never going to wait until something is upon you and it's an issue. It doesn't matter if you are a mom and pop shop and you have one doctor, one provider, one nurse, one PA, you always want to have a plan. That includes quarterly fire drills, and one of those should be actually evacuating your practice, your patients, so that everybody really knows how to do it. And that would include how do you work an extinguisher, using acronyms to operate equipment, using things on file so that everybody has to do this competency once a year, whether you do it on paper, you talk about it at staff meetings, everybody knows where the information can be found. And when I say everybody, that means everybody. It's not just for the support staff to say, well, we're going to take this binder and we're going to make a plan and everybody will know that there's a binder, but it's not updated annually. It's never reviewed. Should be a go-to. Everybody should have it ingrained in how their response will be. What is your role? What will your role be? Not just fire drills, but catastrophic things. Uh, anything that could be a an accident, a terrible, I don't want to go with the pandemic thing because there are so many other things that could be going on, but there could be a regional thing where maybe your coworkers will be asked to join helping treat somebody elsewhere. Maybe you're not employed by a hospital, but all of a sudden your help is needed. And so the disaster planning, emergency planning, tests and things that you'll do as competencies annually again, that will be on file, maintained and managed by the leadership of the group, the manager, the clinical leaders, but not just in a file. It really needs to be a working plan so that people know where to get the information and that they're going over this information and remembering it and having the tools to just jump in, boots on the ground, this is what we're supposed to do, not be floundering, you know, somebody passes out, there's an event, somebody has some kind of emergency in the office. We don't want eight people standing there, standing over a patient looking concerned. We want eight people that are engaged and say, I know what my role is and I know what I need to be doing at this moment. One of the beautiful things that Paycom offers is a member library. So instead of recreating the wheel, I think it's an underused resource. And I don't know that everybody knows all of the fantastic things that are contained within the member library. And I would venture to say that these are some of the things that you can find there using a keyword that somebody has graciously put in that yes. you can draw on and download. And, you know, it's a leave a penny, take a penny. That's what the lead page says. So you, you're going to take a pearl of wisdom or you're going to leave one. And uh, we get these valuable things that maybe because you are rural, maybe because you are not the biggest office in town, you would have to pay a consultant to do this for you. But with your Paycom colleagues, they're saying, I'm willing to share that information with you. Not only am I willing to share it with you, but here's the map and here's how it looks. Please feel free to use this. One of the things that I've noticed since coming on board with Paycom is that that incredible community and the willingness of, of people to give assistance to others. Kind of back to the contingency and backup planning, 
it sounds like that really needs to be a living document. Like you said, not something that goes in the back of a filing cabinet, but maybe something that should be reviewed on a regular basis or practiced on a regular basis and, and updated as you know the situation might warrant. I would absolutely agree with that. And I think that annual competencies where it's gone over with every staff member and every provider within the group, including yourself, everybody should be accountable to knowing the policies and the procedures to do things emergently. And uh, there could be key people within the group that could help do that or somebody that could be the lead on that. A ledger should be kept. Everybody's annual competency should be monitored. And it coincide with the new year, your fiscal year, evaluation time of their employment. Probably makes better sense to get everybody on the same calendar so you're not scrambling to do this all the time. It should also be reviewed, not just by you, but a second set of eyes. What has changed? What are the protocols that are in the community that perhaps I'm just looking at this document and it's right in front of me and I don't see it. Should I go to the listserv and ask questions of my colleagues and say, here's what I'm doing, here's what I have. Does anybody else have a good idea? What are you doing? And again, downloading whatever you like and tailoring it to what you need as a practice. That makes a lot of sense. And kind of on another note here, it seems typically in the case of, let's say, a regional emergency or a a national event, it's going to require some redeployment of employees, right? Maybe somebody can't make it into work or maybe they do become sick. How do you handle that employee refocus? And then as a manager, how do you monitor that those reassignments are effective for your practice? So I want to share with you that, again, we go back to the notion of of team building. It's, it's a must, must in any office. It's not I, it's not me, it's the we part. And I know it sounds very Pollyanna, but it really means a lot, especially in ever-changing healthcare. Doing the daily huddles, the administrative staff, the clinical staff, somebody from each of those departments meeting, what are the things to note for that day? Are we covering each other? Who's cross-trained and might be backfilling? What has happened here since you last worked in this particular area? We're trying to, to find what works. How can we keep everybody working to the best of our abilities, finding solutions, not creating problems? The leadership, whether it's you, a lead physician, a clinical supervisor, you have to be the voice of calm and representation and reason. And we're also really empowering our coworkers to say, not only am I going to ask you to go work at the COVID center or on one of the med surge floors or in the patio, but I want to let you know that here is the job expectation. You will have a little orientation. Here's the person to whom you report. Please keep in touch with me. I'll let you know what your schedules are and invite and suggest solutions from the coworkers. Somebody needs accommodation because a family member is critically unwell and they just can't be in the office. You can't just say, well, I'm staying home and I'm not going to worry about that. You have to do a little digging. It needs to be equitable and it needs to represent a real accommodation for valid reasons. We also want to make sure that everybody is getting a chance to work. So people might have to use their vacation or paid time off. 
They may not have childcare. They might have to stay home. So we always want to say, we're going to do our best to accommodate you. What are your needs? We also want to give people the opportunity, if we're able to do that, to keep full benefits in place. Again, this is situationally singular. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. So I don't say that as you should do this and you should do this. But you should also give, if you can, the opportunity for coworkers to use their paid time and vacation if they like or forego it if they like. And lastly, give them the opportunity to use 40 hours, 80 hours of paid time off to be paid back. Certainly, we're not advocating for that where I'm working because honestly, if you only get X amount of hours biweekly, if you go 80 hours into the hole, you're never going to recover. But we put that out there because we want to make sure that we can help accommodate coworkers who are seriously impacted just as our patients are. You know, you have the worried well, the sick patients, and then you have the worried well of coworkers within your own group. So you're, you're looking carefully at everybody and what can you do for them? Making a schedule. Uh, we actually do a weekly schedule. We do rotate people within our office. We do have admin people that essentially are in the same spot, check in, check out. Maybe somebody does telephone triage if they're that skilled. And then all of our medical assistants can work with any provider or share providers based on the fact that maybe we're not seeing a million patients in the office, but you need support and you also need to have somebody to whom you can send documents electronically and get the, the, the extra stuff done so that they can continue taking care of patients. Alina, I think that's great ad- advice on, you know, disaster planning and, and management in those situations. I'd like to move on to more of a PACOM question stream, if, if you don't have anything else that, that you'd like to tack on there into, you know, disaster management. No, I think that's, that's good. I'm ready. Okay. So could you give us a general overview? Because I, I know that uh, you you have an impressive career, right? We're we're looking at th- over thirty years in medical management. How has Paycom assisted you during your career? So I would say I always thought that I was a manager that knew things. I'm that person. I seek knowledge, and I don't just seek knowledge because Paycom shares knowledge. I seek knowledge because I want to know things. I want to learn languages and things, and look things up, and Google them, and I want to know. I want to be certified so that not only I know that I have the tools of the nine domains that better empower me to do my job, but I want the IT certification because I want to champion my own success and know that not only was I able to study and pass a formidable test, but I also want to know that I have what's contained within the test in my arsenal of information. So if something's presented to me, I can go, actually, that's not the law. And this is really what this means. And I can show you an example. You're broadening the, the uh, explanation of what this means or, or not. I also use these certifications and membership so that my providers know that I am the go-to. I have providers with whom I've worked for many, many years and then newer, a lot of newer providers. And they come to me and they thank me and they say, I'm so glad that you're here. I feel 
so much better knowing that you're here, that I can get through the day, that I don't have to worry about these things anymore for those who have just joined our group recently. That has to feel personally rewarding, correct? It is. And I take responsibility for making sure I'm taking notes. I'm putting things down. I'm making, you know, spreadsheets. I'm checking things off. I'm putting little love notes to myself about things that I'm doing daily. For instance, I'll just tell you right now, we are doing a soft opening of our very large practice next week. And so every day I'm accounting to the hospital about the PPE that we use personal protective equipment, and that's via text or email, and it can be done in a spreadsheet. And I'm also reporting how many people administratively I am down or have available. Do I need assistance with staffing for people that could be deployed here? I'm also offering my staff to be deployed elsewhere, and they're picking up shifts and full-time hours where perhaps they would be sitting home three days a week because I didn't have that many hours to give them. So they're not losing money, and I'm glad of that. And then I'm taking a daily snapshot of the updated schedule and sending it to any providers who are working remotely so that they know who's in the building and who they are supposed to direct messages to at any time and or triage information. So it's important for communication. I I realize that you are an industry veteran, Right. But let's say maybe some of our our listeners out there have less experience than you do. What PACOM resources, uh, like you had mentioned the document library earlier, would you suggest they utilize to make their job easier to, to get professional advice? So I want to say right off the bat, everybody should be on the listserv, not only just reading and learning what people are talking about. What are the the buzz topics right now? They could be regional. They could be things that are happening on the West Coast or just down South or on the East Coast. But if they're local to you and you can help a colleague out with a response, things could be very generalized. What am I doing with a, as a new manager? How am I writing job descriptions? How am I doing this? Again, we're we're making sure that people are on the listserv and that they are sitting for their CMM as soon as they can, as soon as they're eligible. Making sure that your providers know the benefits of what this means for your practice. You're going to ask your provider to support this, not just emotionally and professionally, but financially. You could be saving them money knowing that they're perhaps you could be mitigating any kind of action that could go wrong in your office because you didn't have the tools, you didn't have the understanding. But once you're certified, you know what this means. These nine domains cover this and risk management and employment and whatever whatever you need help with, especially as a newer manager. Maybe you're not a new manager, but maybe you're new to your group. Maybe it's a new specialty for you. How are you going to get all the tools that you need? You're going to chat up your colleagues and say, I need help with this. Who is my go-to new colleague, friend that I can count on. You're going to go to the member library. You know, I think it's, again, it's such an undervalued resource in my humble opinion. It's not very humble, but I really think that way. (laughs) I just printed off a couple of things just because I wanted to share with you what's contained within the library that maybe people don't know about. So 
I printed off the practice orientation checklist. So when you have a new hire, these are all the things that you discuss on the mentoring moment and day of the job check-in. Do I have your resume? Do I have your licensure? What's your, you know, the policy description, taxes, keys, hours, all of the orientation for the group. Maybe you don't have that in the smaller to mid-sized practices, but you actually have it literally at your fingertips by downloading it. We also have contained within the library uh, employee performance self-assessment. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you said, well, you know, I just dread doing this annual evaluation. It's check, check, check. You sign, I'll sign. Okay, have a great day. Thanks for all your hard work. Maybe you're going to say, you know what? I'd like to ask my employee to do a self-assessment. And you're going to give this out in advance and say, how about you return this to me X days before your uh, scheduled evaluation and see how the person sees themselves. What are they looking to learn? What are they understanding or not understanding? And all of this is contained within the self-assessment. What are the difficult conversations? Maybe it's they're not a reliable, dependable employee, and they check off there are five when you know that maybe there are two or three. It gives you license. Not that you can't talk about it, but it opens the door for an uncomfortable conversation. Say, I'm so glad that you checked that off. I'd like to share you share with you what I've noticed, and my observation is, and I think we could work on this. What are the things maybe that you'd like to learn in the next year? Uh, there's also a, a supervisor evaluation assessment. So it can be used across the board. Even if you have somebody that's a supervisor, perhaps in another area of your office, but they're not reporting, you're not reporting to them, they're reporting to you. Great content, free text, additional comments, so much meat and potatoes for things that could be quality of work quantity of work? What is your ability to plan and organize? Are you a good coworker? Are you a team member? These are the kinds of things. And I, I can't recommend getting certified enough. And just to know that you have passed this test, I'll tell you something, it's not an easy test. I know that the test has changed since I took it. I wanna say there were 250 questions and there were two essays where you had to use critical thinking to solve a paragraph problem that was presented to you. It was serious business. And Mr. Blanchett was the proctor. And, you know, I don't know if everybody's familiar with Mr. Blanchett. He's the founder of this association. And we're grateful for that. But he has a military background. So when he proctored this exam, he let you know in no uncertain terms, this was not the coffee clutch and everybody wasn't sitting down to talk and chat. It was, you have two hours to do this test, go. You're going to take your certification test for yourself, for your professionalism. You're going to join the listserv because you know that there's so much talent spread out in the United States, the Virgin Islands. There, there's people everywhere. You know, how do you know this is a good association? Because your same friend comes from the Virgin Islands every year when there were conferences just because she needed to be there and get all the good stuff that was available. That's how you know. And people flew across the country and people are still going to regional conferences and not just happy that you're seeing the faces that you know and love so well, but you know that the agendas will be robust. The speakers were hand-selected and vetted by the, the board of the chapters that collaborated 
join a local chapter. If you are lucky to have one in your area, you can't get better than that, really, to connect with colleagues. Maybe, again, you're not all the same specialty, but you'll find that you're going to have each other on speed dial. You're going to check in to say, hey, what are the rules about this? Do you know how I can get my hands on that? What are you doing within your own group to represent this solution? You know, for a new manager in a group or a new manager to management altogether, you know, I keep, you have to keep yourself organized. You have to keep a well, whether it's electronic or paper calendar, what are the things that you're going to accomplish? And it's not just things that are due, financial reports, evaluations, it's projects and performance improvement for your group, yourself, your coworkers, leadership skills, staff meetings. There's so many things that you can set up and you know on every day of this month or every day of this week, these are the things that we're going to be working on. It's critical. It's not haphazard. It's organizational management and staff development, not just for your coworkers, but for yourself. That makes sense. You'd mentioned a couple resources there in pretty quick succession. The, the document library, the Paycom listserv, which for those that are unfamiliar, it's the ability for you to send a single email that goes out to the entire Paycom community. And anybody that has resources or a, an answer to your question responds to that email. Uh, it seems to be very efficient from what I've seen conferences, and also chapters. And it seems if you take all of those resources together, really what the benefit is, is number one, a a community of of like-minded professionals. And second of all, kind of from the outside looking in, because I'm not a practice manager, it seems like some of these resources would save me a significant amount of time, either in like development, like where you were talking about developing uh, an, an evaluation, or time researching, right? Where do I go find all of this information that I need to know about COVID for my practice? In addition to finding the information for resources for yourself from your colleagues, Paycom is putting those resources together for you as well. Whether you're looking for collections, whether you are looking for an answering service. Listen, I'm not trying to sell you a new car. I'm trying to say that somebody's doing the homework for you. There are resources online. You have to go and log in and put your information on the Paycom page and just meander around and see all that's available. It's so chock full of stuff that you never think that is hidden under that little cheeseburger when you sign in. Oh my gosh, (laughs) look at everything that's in here. You've got vendors, you've got people that, I'm not going to use the word vetted because it looks like somebody was given a good housekeeping stamp of approval, but I'll tell you that no one is recommended. Nobody is supported unless some homework has been done in advance. And I can tell you that I have certainly gotten resources from Paycom, not just at national conferences, but regional conferences and also from other colleagues that said, yes, here's what we're doing, here's what we're using, please feel free to give a call. And guess what? It is the, uh, the go-to. I have locally helped people get jobs. I have helped patients get jobs. And I have a particular patient who's sort of retired. She's a lovely lady. She mentioned in passing one day that she was looking for a job. One of my Paycom sisters that probably is less than five minutes away, 
who, by the way, is in a giant pediatric group, was looking for somebody. It's now been seven and a half years that this lady has been in her employee. And every time I see her, she thanks me. So, you know, it's networking. It's putting the pieces in place for yourself and for each other. It's so wonderful. I think that brings up a resource that that hasn't been mentioned, and that's the member directory. You were talking about building a, a, a network, you know, from what I've seen, and this is from just casual research. I know that if I was in a certain area and I did want to connect with other PACOM members, or maybe I'm a pediatric specialist in a very rural area and I need some advice on something pediatric, the community gives you access to those specific professions, the ability to find and, and contact those people nationally. It does. And it helps you to immediately link and fire off an email. And then all of a sudden you're connected to somebody that's going to help you. And you didn't have to hire a, a consultant. You didn't have to, you know, pull your hair out and go, oh my gosh, how am I going to solve this? My, my employer is counting on me to, to find a solution here. You have people that are within your specialty, within your area. You, you mentioned rural healthcare. This is such a singular thing. I'm in Metropolis in Philadelphia, basically. And so what you're doing in Missouri, like my friend Deborah, who was a national board member, it's apples and oranges. We're so different in every possible way. But I know that there's other members that are rural and they're their prevailing fees on how they're reimbursed or what they're entitled to because they provide this or that in a rural area, they can connect with one another, whether it's just rural or specialty. And that's the beauty of it. You don't need to have a magic wand. You do in a de facto way in that you've joined an association that has been around for a long time. It is not their first rodeo in professionalism, networking, creating colleagues, and helping you to champion your success and your certifications and knowing that you really have all the tools. People say, oh, how can I sit for that test? First of all, I want you to know you know so much more than you think you know. You're probably doing a, the lion's share of all of this every day. And then when you start looking at the domains, you go, you know what? I am doing that. I didn't really think that that was like a pivotal part of what it is that I do, but in fact, it is. So when you're studying you look at the things that you know, and you really look at the things that you think you don't know, and you study up and due diligence gets you that certification, and it's a hooray moment. I get it. You you had mentioned on, on a previous conversation we had that, that when you did get your certificate, it felt like winning an Oscar. It did. The big, giant envelope, as I said in the outset of the conversation, you know, it was the snail mail back then. You took the test. By the way, I broke my ankle coming home from Buffalo in the train station, literally before I left the city. The steps were crumbled and I fell and broke my ankle and I was casted for six weeks. And I got that envelope. I could not have cared less about my fiberglass cast because I passed and I couldn't wait to show it to my coworker physicians who at the time were my employers. And I was so proud. It is in my office in a big, fat, frame and it has a lovely patina because it's had the chance to age so it sort of <laughs> looks well loved and it is and I use it and I use my credentials and people ask me what those credentials are and of course I would be remiss without saying that the CMM is an accredited exam and certification so 
if you're concerned about that, that's all the more reason that you would want to take this. It is accredited and it means something. Can you explain exactly what that means? It means that for many years, it was a certification, but it wasn't nationally recognized as something that in the industry had a national accreditation. It does now. And Paycom has gone the route for you. Karen Blanchett has made sure that universities will recognize it. Employers will recognize it. I know in Pennsylvania, it's recognized when you see CMM on a resume, you know that that likely is the manager that you're going to want to hire. So when you're trying to get support from your employer, this is not the you know, alphabet soup of I'm going to have just 14 more letters after my name and, you know, comma this, comma that. There's many tests. And, you know, seemingly at one point it was like everybody was a certified something. But what did all those mean? Were they just to put on the letterhead when you're signing your name on your business card? Or do they really have merit? The certification has merit. It is accredited. It is reviewed for the accuracy of the test, there is a committee that reviews it for accuracy and to make sure that the contents of the exam are germane to what's going on in healthcare. These are not questions that look like when Ben Franklin was postmaster general and he left the office at two, how many chickens? I mean, like these are up to date and really robust questions that are looked at. Uh, I can also share with you that when you know you go from MIPS and meaningful use to all the different alphabet soup acronyms to ECQMs and managers will know what all these things mean, all the questions need to be updated. So I can tell you that personally, I was sent five questions and said, we'd like your input. What do you think the wording should be to update these questions? What should be deleted? Is the question diminished by changing it? Is it still important? Will people understand it? It's broken down in so many ways. You must have confidence in these questions. They're not these, you know, flim flam kind of things. They're important and people are being asked to update and keep these things to where it is the most current ever. It's a great test, really challenges you. And we need to be challenged or else we get complacent sometimes. It begs a question in my mind. You had mentioned in the beginning that your current employer recommended at the beginning of your career that you look at, at Paycom and the CMM certification. How about for maybe there's a practice manager out there who really needs to drive home the value of that CMM certification to their provider? Maybe get the provider to help financially in, in the education process. Do you have any advice for somebody that finds themselves in that situation? Sure. So if you're just getting a job and you know about Paycom already and you know that you're going to want to be a member and take the test and have your, your membership fees and your CMM paid for, you need to build that into your employment agreement or your annual contract. And if in fact you're already employed and it's not included, when you get your annual evaluation, present that and say, here's what I'd like you to support in the coming year. And it means this amount of dollars. And I'd like to also pre-build in these amount of dollars so that I can go to a regional conference and 
get additional great information. And the continuing education that's available that's at correct. those, as well as is online, I think has has value that's as right. well. You get the opportunity for free CEUs online. You get invites to have kind of a lunch and learn CEU uh, for either CMM or HIT, depending upon how it's registered. Uh, but you'd get the credits, and a lot of times you can use those concurrently for both certifications. But I think that if your employer says, yes, I will support you, I think that it's critical that you start to write down and keep a file on what you are doing to better the practice, and if, in fact, you just saved the practice a bunch of money. I'm doing this, and I've done it from the very beginning. I know that for my trash removal, which I'm totally in the wrong business. I'm telling you, waste management operations for trash removal, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting paid like brain surgeons. But I just renegotiated my contract. And even though I'm in a big practice, I just renegotiated and I'm saving $525 a month. That's significant. So when you're keeping a tally for what you have saved for your group, and again, not selling you a new or used car, but check out those vendors on the Paycom page. They're going to give you the best of the best of what you need for your group. And guess what? It's sometimes uncomfortable to say, yeah, well, we hate our answering service and they're not very nice to the patients and things aren't accurate, but we're just going to stay with them because that's what we've always done. Maybe you look and see what's offered. Our collections aren't great and they charge too much money, but let's look and see what's available online. And then you start to see the return on the investment for the practice and what you as the manager have put in place to show them, look, you spent this amount of money to support me, but I want to share with you that this is how much we've saved. And this is how much I have cut down on staff cost and HR because everybody's cross-trained. So when Susan calls out or Jane is out, I'm now backfilling and I'm not using temps or pool or missing staff altogether. You have to keep yourself on track so that you can show the value of this association. And that, again, includes regional conferences. Take those notes at the conferences. Not just give a presentation to your employers, coworkers, as far as providers, but your, all your coworkers. If you have a staff meeting or you have breakout meetings based on the clinical or admin staff, share that information. Why shouldn't everybody value and use that? Put it in place. Here's what I learned. Let's decide if this is going to work with our group. And do you have ways that we could put it in place to make it work for us? And if not, let's, let's talk about how we can build it in. I thought it was a really great idea. And now everybody's on board. That makes a lot of sense. And I really want to thank you for your, your time today. I, I know that you covered a lot and there was a lot to digest. But to your point, if one of our listeners would like more information on any of the topics we covered, feel free to visit paycom.com. There is uh, free information available. There is a paid membership option as well. Uh, and certainly encourage you to do that. So thank you again, Helena. I appreciate it. And please make sure you stay tuned next time when we're going to discuss account receivables management, which Helena, I think you probably saw a couple questions on that on the listserv. Indeed. 
we're trying to be responsive. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And to our listeners out there, we look forward to seeing you again next month. Thank you for joining us. Tune in for new shows on the third Wednesday of each month. PACOM is the Professional Association of Healthcare Office Management, home of the nationally accredited Certified Medical Manager. Professional credentials matter. Learn more at PACOM.com. That's P-A-H-C-O-M dot com.